So, good morning. It's good to see you, my friends. Good to be with you. Hey, um, we've, been in, we've been in this journey for several weeks now um, through what we're calling the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is a list of characteristics that are true of those of us who have said yes to Jesus. These are things that are already in us, operating in our lives. And we've been exploring through practice, uh, through listening, through prayer, how to best become a people who fully embody the fruit of the Spirit. As we've been moving through these rhythms and practices, one of the invitations that I have extended to you is to say a prayer each week together. So we're gonna practice that prayer this morning just to can stay consistent. But I've also invited you to pray over that uh, to begin your day, to pray with your family. I know some of our, our kids have been saying that prayer around the breakfast table in the morning. And people have sent me videos of their kids praying this prayer. So that always touches my heart to see families putting these things into practice as well. So on the screen, you'll see the prayer. And if you would just say this with me as a way to enter into our discussion this morning. So say this with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. Let's take a moment in quiet and ask and invite the Spirit to speak. Holy Spirit, speak. We are listening. Help us tune into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Thank you, Father. Amen. So I've been calling uh, these nine characteristics the nine beats. And this morning, we're going to do something different. We're actually going to combine two beats together. And I don't know if that brings up a terrible image of mom trying to feed you beets, more than one beet. These are different kinds of beets. These are the heart beets. So this morning, we're going to look at two different beets, number six and number seven, goodness and faithfulness. And the reason why I'm combining these two beets together is because I think essentially they embody the same kind of, of truth. Um, they they uh, somehow have encaptured this idea of integrity. So we're going to talk about integrity this morning. Integrity and this idea of living an authentic life, truly authentic where we fully know how to embody the kind of integrity that we see not only in Christ, but we see in the Father and in the Spirit. The word integrity is interesting because it comes from this English word integer. And integer is a mathematical term, and the word integer means whole number versus fraction. So the idea of living a life of integrity then encompasses this, uh, this, I, this overarching 
thought and idea that we're moving more towards deeper authenticity and integrity and moving away from living fractured lives. So wholeness as opposed to a fractured way of seeing reality. Now the word goodness, I think it embodies not only integrity, but it also embodies consistency and sincerity, two very important words. And then the word faithfulness has to do with dependability and then following through. So in other words, your yes means yes and your no means no. So there's a dependability point, there's follow through, there's sincerity, and then there's an absolute consistency. Now when we think about the character of God, it's easy for us to think of God as being a God of integrity. God is absolutely consistent with God's self. When we read the scriptures, we see consistency in how God treats people, loves people, cares for people, always pursues people. And I think that's what the author is essentially getting at in the text that we read this morning. Um, As a side note, I wanna invite you to open up your Bibles if you have uh, a Bible already, but also um, there's these Bibles that we have in the front chairs. um, And the letter that we read this morning actually comes on page 989. So I encourage you to have the text open this morning. If it's on your phone, that's fine too. But to look at the text together because I'm gonna be referring to certain verses and I think it's important to actually have the scripture open so we can see it and interact with it. So when, when the author talks about God is light and in him there is no darkness at all, I think if we're gonna get into the root of it, this has to do with integrity. God is a God of integrity and in him there is no darkness at all. He, he somehow embodies light and a wholeness. Now, we read on in verse 10, if you look at the text there, it says in verse 10, if we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. So the author is getting right to it. Now I think this talks about the human heart. And one of the problems with the human heart is that there is this propensity towards dishonesty, a lack of integrity. And if we're honest, we see that in ourselves. But the main problem, and I think the root of it, if you get underneath the dishonesty and get under the lack of integrity, is that our dishonesty is actually rooted in the accusation that God can't be trusted. So I think all sin begins with a lie. All the things that move us away from connection with God are rooted in a lie. Now let's step back in the story for a moment. If we go back to the story in the book of Genesis, the beginning of God's bigger story, we have two main characters, Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve are kind of stand-in representatives for humanity. They give us a, a big picture of the story of humanity. And in the garden of Adam and Eve, the garden of Eden, we see, we see this uh, fully integrated sense of life. They have deep connection with God, they're deeply connected with one another, and then they have a sense of themselves. So they're not aware of the darkness yet. So in chapter three, we have this other character that comes in, it's referred to as a serpent. And the serpent begins to go against this idea of wholeness and to bring in a fractured sense of self. So the serpent's goal is then how do I make that which is whole, how do I fracture it and spread it into pieces? So he goes after trust. Now the agreement to these first two humans was that God said you can have everything in the garden, you have uh, free access to everything except for one tree, the the tree of good and evil. This, This particular fruit you cannot eat from. Now the serpent goes after that and the serpent begins to tell lies to these two main characters in the story. He goes after trust. 
And it's interesting, the serpent then comes and begins to ask a series of questions to these two main characters. Did God really say that you couldn't eat of that particular fruit? And when he said that, did he really mean it, right? Did he really mean that? I mean, was he serious? After all, he knows that if you eat of this fruit, you will become like him, and he doesn't want you to become like him. He's trying to fool you. He's trying to control you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to keep you from these things. So immediately what we see, the first temptation is going after God's truthfulness. This God can't be trusted. And it's interesting that that would be the first temptation. The very first sin was to buy into the belief that God is a liar. The very first one, the very moment that these two humans made a conscious decision to go out on their own, to disconnect from this God who's consistent, genuine, sincere, fully integrated, a God of integrity, the very moment they decided to step away is when they became aware of darkness. And now we have fragmentation, we have a breakdown in human relationships, and we have all of these fragmented parts. Now, I know a lot of people who say they believe in God, and that's great. That requires some sense of faith. But then I know people who say they believe God. And I think there's quite a difference between believing in God and then actually believing God. Again, believing in God requires a a degree of faith and trust, but believing God, actually believing God for what God says and what we can stand on, and then to act on that promise is an entirely different thing. To believe Act as if what he said is true, and I can bank my entire life on it. Now, one of the main characters in the book of Genesis, also after Adam and Eve, we get to Genesis chapter 12, and we have a new character that comes into the story, and his name is Abram. And Abram is given this invitation to come and follow this God, and that when this God says go, he goes, and when this God says move, he moves. He just up and moves and, and learns how to trust this God for his word. And God comes to this this one human and says, through your line, I'm going to bless the entire world. All nations, all races, all backgrounds are going to be blessed and touched through your life. All I'm asking you to do is to trust me and follow me, and I will take you into the most obscure places, and I will lead you and direct you, but I will bless through you, and I will bless over you, and I will give you everything that you need. And it tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 23, that not only did Abraham believe in God, he believed God, is what it says in the text. Abraham believed God. He acted as if the things that God was saying was true, and he banked his entire existence on the things that God said. Imagine how differently our lives would be if we believed God, and not just in God, but that we were a people who embodied belief that when God said go, we go, and when God says trust me, we trust him. The invitation is astonishing if you think about all the implications of what that would mean for us as followers of Jesus in a world that's full of chaos and fragmentation, to believe God and his word. I'm gonna take everything that God says and I'm going to act on the basis of what he says and I'm going to establish my life on the basis of what God says as if it were the very truth. So believing in God is very different than believing, I mean, believing God is different than just believing God. Now, one of the difficulties, I think, when it comes to trust, dishonesty, um, when it comes to belief and acting on faith, um, are these things called mental lies. 
And I think all of us have these tapes that play in our minds, these mental lies. And there is this character in the scripture referred to as our enemy. And our enemy, Satan, is also referred to as an accuser. And the accuser loves to accuse us. If you have not heard the voice of accusation, I would check your pulse, right? We have, we have these tapes that play in our mind that kind of get into these brain grooves of accusation after accusation after accusation. And I read something this week that caught my attention, and it says this, that our enemy likes to keep us in a sad, doubting, questioning condition to make our lives hell by causing us to spend the majority of our time reflecting more on our sin than upon our Savior. Let's be honest, friends. We tend to think more about our wrongs, more about the places where we've missed the mark, where we keep missing the mark. We get brutal with ourselves instead of focusing on Christ and Christ alone and all that Jesus has done on our behalf and continues to do. It's like we accept the accusations day in and day out as the accuser comes into all the fractured parts and keeps us in this fractured state of mind as opposed to moving toward a more integrated sense of who we are in Christ Jesus, always missing the mark. Now, I am learning as a Jesus follower to quickly, quickly remind that inner voice because, man, I got, a, I got a ferocious one that just goes around, and it's like that sucker is always on play. And it goes around and around in my head. And the accuser loves to play with my accusations that I put on myself. And one of the things that I've learned, this is actually interesting, it's helping me a bit. And I'm just going to toss it out to you as a gift. When the accusations come and the tape begins to play and it just swirls around in my mind, what I'm learning to say is, actually, it's worse than you're saying. You're saying this, but you're missing about three quarters of the other things that I've done. You're, you're missing it completely. But here's the reality, my friends. It doesn't make God love me any less. So you can keep accusing me. You can keep throwing this in my direction. And believe me, I'm brutal on myself. And you can keep throwing these accusations in my direction, but it does not make God love me any less. He can't. He's consistent. He's sincere and he can be trusted. And what he says actually goes. So I have to like shove that down into my soul. I have to push that down into my inner self. Now the other part is that there are some weeks, my friends, when this guy right here actually pulls it off and I'm doing really well in following Jesus. I like love my neighbor. <laughs> I, I actually sometimes pray for my enemy. Right, I give, um, I'm self-sacrificing, I give, I read the Bible every day, imagine that, like, pff, whoa. I pray, I, I do right, I, I hold up my end of the deal, and what I remind myself of on those weeks where I'm actually killing it, so there's the truth. It's right here is what God says, that his love for me never changes, ever. It's consistent because God is he's consistent, he's a God of integrity. Everything's intact, it's not fragmented or broken. And when the accusations come and they say this God can't be trusted, how can you build your life on this God? I remind that voice, myself and the enemy, that this God stays the same in all situations and I can build my very life on this God. And trust, so this one, when this God says go, I go. And when this God says do this, 
I do this. I respond out of gratitude and I respond out of a deep faith because I know that this God is absolutely consistent with himself. And every day, I practice pushing that down into my inner life, into the fractured parts because there are fractured parts inside of my own story that need to come back towards wholeness and completeness. And what I'm learning, friends, and maybe you can identify with this, is I'm discovering that I actually think too little of God and his power. I think too little of God and his power. And I wonder if you're with me on that. Yeah? Okay, good. I'm not alone. Do you honestly think that your little pathetic sin can overwhelm the purposes and love of God? Really? A life of integrity begins when we stop treating God as a liar. And we start treating God as a God that can be trusted. The lie back in the beginning was this God can't be trusted. He goes after that lie. He goes after that truth. But the reality is is that this God, this God keeps coming for us. And you know what I've loved about this God? Even when I'm sinning, this God comes right into it with me. Open arms, extended hands, and says, come home, always. And even when I don't believe in him, he still comes. He still comes. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't even believe in you right now. (laughs) And you're showing up? Yep. This God continues to pursue. He never stops. Look at verse six. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. I mean, there it is. That it's so, so absolutely clear that as Jesus followers, we don't have to walk in the dark anymore. We get to walk in the light. That's what we get to do. Now, let's talk a little bit more about um, ways in which we can root out hypocrisy in our life because let's, let's, let's be clear We're all hypocrites, and we all have hypocrisy operating to some degree in some area of life where that fragmented part of us is. So how do we go about rooting out the hypocrisy, those fractured parts, and then moving more towards integrity? Because that's that's the pursuit. That's the fruit of the Spirit is like, what practices can we put into play that are actually going to take us deeper into living lives of integrity where we're more connected with God, others, and ourselves? Because ultimately, this is all about relationship. Right? We live in a, in, a, in a relational universe. Everything is centered on relationships. So hypocrisy, a lack of integrity, can keep us from living vital lives that are deeply connected in relationships. So I'm going to give you three words this morning, and these are three practices that I want you to put into practice over this next week as you walk in the way of Jesus. The three words are this. Ready? Newness, N-E-W-N-E-S-S, plainness, P-L-A-I-N-N-E-S-S, and sameness, okay? Newness, plainness, sameness. So let's talk about newness for a moment and talk about hypocrisy and how we can root this out in our lives. So newness is actually a move away from hypocrisy. Now, one of the ways that you can actually tell that you're not a hypocrite is that you knew you used to be and still struggle with the possibility of being one. Real hypocrites have no idea that they're hypocrites. 
right? They will say, I've never been one, and I'm certainly not one now. Now, when a person says, what do you mean I'm a hypocrite? I'm not a hypocrite. Immediately, you know that that person has no newness about them. There's no aha moment. Have you had that aha moment in your life where you're beginning to see areas of your life that are new, areas of your life that are coming alive for the first time, and you're like, my goodness, integrity is growing in my life, and I didn't know that. There's that sense of like, wow, I guess I'm really growing. Is there that newness in you each day that you oh, had some hypocrisy in it? I'm identifying it, and I no longer want to participate in that. What I want to do is to be a more integrated sense of who I really am and stop living out of my false self, but moving deeper into who Christ has made me to be, a person of integrity. I want all of it to come back together. There's a discovery, an openness, a sense of awe and wonder. Is that where you find yourselves Today, is there a newness that's operating inside of your heart and inside of your life, and are you aware of it? I invite you to pay attention this week to yourself, to how you interact with people. Is there a newness in you that you can identify, okay? Second one, plainness. Now, P-L-A-I-N actually means something very specific. This is uh, what I would say plainness is moving away from obscurity and deeper into clarity. So plainness is about, you got obscurity, fragmentation, and moving deeper into a sense of oneness, clarity, connectedness with God, and living a life of integrity. So to be plain means to be open. So let's talk about openness for a moment. Let's talk about openness with God, with others, and with ourselves. As this newness develops, I invite you to open up with God first and foremost. Living a life of integrity requires living with a posture of openness. So each day, as you step into the day and into the practices of following God, living with this all-out admittance, first and foremost, I need God. Clearly, I need God today. I cannot breathe, I can't make it, I won't be able to get through the day without you. So I'm inviting you, I'm opening myself up to you, admitting that I need you first and foremost. It's admitting that I hunger and thirst after the things of God. I hunger and I thirst for you because I want to connect to you and I want to be open to you in all ways possible, even the dark parts of my story. I want you to move into those places. I want you to help identify the areas of distrust operating in my life, areas where I'm not moving deeper into trust. Help me to see those things. So I want to live with an openness, first and foremost, with God. Secondly, living with an openness, a plainness with others. Now, integrity means that you are open and willing to take criticism. Have you ever noticed that criticism never comes at the right time? <laughs> like somebody criticizes you and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the perfect time for criticism. <laughs> like it's ideal, it just never comes at a good time. Never happens. And yet, it's necessary, and we all admit it, it's absolutely necessary if we wanna grow. If we wanna grow up, if we wanna evolve, if we wanna change, then criticism is part of the process. Integrity means that there is an openness to letting people come into your life and saying and identifying things that need to change. 
It's, it's a willingness and an openness to admit that, hey, maybe what this person is saying is right. I gotta take that into consideration that they might be right. Now, this doesn't mean that you let someone walk all over you and just throw you to the side. There's some things that you can own and some things you say, you know what, that seems to be more about you than it is about me, right? And identifying that, establishing boundaries, that's an okay thing. But overall, living with that posture of openness is that I have people in my life who can call things out, who can see things in me that I can't see because I'm just, I'm blind to certain things. So I need people to come in and offer me helpful criticism. So there's a posture of openness, not only with God, but I would say an openness and a posture of that type of stance with people. And then ultimately, the third one, and this is the one that we sometimes forget, is an openness with ourselves. Now imagine that, being open with ourselves. The psalmist dives in deep and says, God, search me and know me. And if there be anything in me, any fragmentation, anything that's not of you, anything that I'm, uh, areas where I'm distrusting you, help me see those things. And you know what's amazing? Is that God actually answers that prayer, dang it. It's like you pray that prayer, God, reveal the things in me that, that need to go. Reveal the areas in my life that are keeping me from connecting with you and with others and with myself, ultimately. I want to connect because I was created to connect. So what's keeping me from that? And the Spirit reveals those things to us and gives us opportunity to face those things inside of ourselves and to find healing in Him. Where are the problems, help me, search me, know me, get down to the inner parts of my soul. You see, there's a difference between acknowledging the truth and then actually stepping in and inviting the truth into the very inner parts of our soul. You can acknowledge the truth all day, but admitting, inviting it down into the depths of my soul, that's an entirely different thing. Living with an openness, God, search me, Know me, if there be anything in me that's keeping me from you, from relationship with others, and from knowing me. Reveal it, root it out. Let me give you some examples. Christians, okay. You've got, in Christ, I've known Christians with incredible knowledge of the Bible, but they can't keep their mouth shut. You, you tell them a secret, and before you know it, it has spread like wildfire, okay? You've got Christians who are so incredibly vain. They are so concerned with how they look or who they're seen with. Or how about this one? You've got Christians who are so abrasive that every time they offer criticism, it's like the whole place gets lit on fire, Right? You've got Christians who are so incredibly sensitive that when you get there, they get their feelings hurt all the time and you can't help them grow and you find yourself going, I can't tell that person the truth because every time I do, they get their back up and they get very defensive. Now, what are these character blemishes? And we've all got them. We've all got them to some degree operating in our lives. But if you are a person of integrity, if you are a person that wants integrity and you want the fruit of the Spirit, you are open and willing to let the truth come from God, from others, and yourself, and to reveal what's going on inside of you. You live with this posture. Holy Spirit, I want to grow. And very often what I will say to myself is, Jonathan, you need to grow up. Because there are times when I need to grow up. 
And when people offer insight or things that I need to change, instead of getting my back up all the time, it's like I'm living with a posture of openness because I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to be healthy. I want to be whole. I want to move back to wholeness because that's what I was created to do. And that's who we get to be as God's people. God says there, in him there is no darkness, only light. That's, that's the focus. That's the journey is how do we get back into the light as he is in the light till we have fully fellowship with him and with one another. I want to grow in the spirit. The question for us this morning is, are you a person of integrity? Is that the desire of, of your heart? Openness with God, openness with others, openness with ourselves, I will tell you this, you can't have one without the other two. You cannot. All three are connected. All three work together for the sole purpose of helping you grow and become the person that God has created you to be. And the last one is sameness. Sameness has to do with integrity. A person of integrity is somebody who is the same in every situation. You're like the same here with this group of friends, and then you get with this group of friends, and you're the same exact person. You're not different. You're not living out of your false self or putting a front out. You're the same in every situation. That's a person of integrity. Somebody who's not trying to hide anything, but you're saying, this, this is me. This is all of me living with this openness and this genuineness. Is there a sameness about your life? And then look at verse eight of chapter two. I love this last little segment here where he says, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing you, which is true in him and in you. Because my friends, the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. You're already shining. Like be shiny, people. Be a shiny people because that is who you are. And remind the accuser, I'm shiny. This is who I am. I shined like a star. I shine bright because Jesus has transformed my life. And you can keep throwing accusations at me all day long, and it's not going to change it one bit. This is where I stand. Shine bright, my friends. Shine bright because that is who you are. Amen? Amen. Okay. This morning we get to take communion. And communion is, is like the ultimate display of grace. It's no matter where you are at in your journey or mistakes that you've made, you're welcome to the table. But know this, every time you partake of the bread and the cup, you are saying yes to Jesus. You're saying, I need you. I need your grace. I, I need you to guide me through life. I need you to direct me. I can't do it alone. So it's an all-out admittance, but it's also an invitation for those of you who haven't said yes to Jesus yet. So if you're here this morning and you're kind of living with that question of like, I, you know, I'm not really sure if I'm ready to follow Christ or if I'm, but I, I'm thinking like, man, I, I feel this tug on my heart and I want to follow Jesus. This is this incredible invitation to come and simply say yes to Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out. None of us in the room really do anyway. But you get to say yes to this loving God who wants to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. So if that's you this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus, this is an incredible opportunity for you to open up your heart and your life and say, God, I want to follow you. That's it. I want to follow you. I want to be in relationship with you. 
And if that's where you're at this morning, or if you have questions, or you wanna talk more about what it means to follow Jesus, please come talk to me. I would love to talk with you. I would love to sit down with you and hear your story and talk about what it means to follow Jesus. That's why we're here, is to help you discover the love of Christ. Jane's gonna come up and prepare us for communion. <laughs>